Hi, everybody. Alan Arnett here with another episode on the podcast on alanarnett.com. It is Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. And today we're going to talk about Denali. You know, Denali is one of the seven summits, uh, or as I like to say, uh, one of the seven, eight, seven summits. If you include Carson's Pyramid and Kosciuszko down in Australia, it gets very confusing, doesn't it? That there's eight, seven summits. I digress. We're talking about Denali up in Alaska. You know, at uh, um, 20,310 feet, it recently got demoted by 10 feet when they did a remeasurement a few years ago. But anyway, 20,310 feet is the highest peak in uh, North America. So what I want to do is talk a little bit about climbing Denali and then uh, just some fun facts and then go through what's happening uh, this year, uh, 2021. It's been a pretty interesting season and some interesting statistics coming out of the season this year. So um, Denali was first attempted way back when in, uh, let's see, what was it? 1903 by eight individuals. Uh, they did not make it. And the first summit was actually uh, in 1913 when um, a uh, four-person team made it all the way to the top. But, you know, that's back in almost what, you know, over a hundred years ago now. Uh, and if you fast forward and look at when Denali really got popular, it really started picking up steam around 1970 when 124 people attempted it and 72 people made it for a, a, a success rate of 58%. And what's interesting to me is that if you go back and look at all the statistics compiled by the National Park Service, that the all-time average is 52% um, in, uh, in, for climbers and by all routes on Denali. But Denali really started to pick up steam in 1989. That was the first year that a thousand, over a thousand people uh, attempted the mountain. And it's been pretty well over a thousand every year since then. Um, you know, this year, uh, there's, let's see, right now, there were 953 registered climbers for this year. So it'll be a little bit less than the historical last 20 year average, but still right there hovering around that thousand uh, person mark. Of course, last year in 2020, because of COVID, uh, the National Park Service closed uh, not only Denali, but Rainier uh, to, uh, to climbing. So that'll be a, uh, a blank year in the history books. In terms of the number of people that have summited, um, historically, it's average, the median has been about 656, again, according to the National Park Service, 656 people every uh, season summit uh, Denali. And the season typically starts in, um, you know, in April, and it wraps up in the beginning of, uh, of July. July. You may have a few hardy souls try it in March. Of course, it's you know it's open and it can be climbed any um, any uh, month of the year. Lonnie Dupre is really famous for doing his winter attempts on it, um, and uh, it, I just cannot believe how Lonnie does that. Gets up there and builds snow caves, and you know just suffers just horrendously trying to get to the top of Denali in the winter time. But uh, most people climb it in the in the springtime, and once around you know July fourth or so, the season pretty well. Closed out, closes down. For Denali, you know, one of the things about it is the weather. Uh, it is just incredibly cold and it can be windy. Uh, it's coming the harshest weather on the planet in terms of climbing and in terms of climbing mountains. It also is one of the coldest climbs that you're going to find of any of the uh, so-called seven summits. 
Uh, it starts off with a trip to Tal uh, Anchorage, Alaska, then up to Talkeetna, where you get a little bush plane. I, I love K2, uh, that uh, bush plane. I just calls it the name K2, of course. But uh, you fly onto uh, the glacier, Calhetna Glacier, and then that begins your, you know, your journey. It typically takes around three weeks is what most people schedule. If you're coming straight off of Everest, it can be done in a week because you're already acclimatized. And well, heck, you know, going to 20,000 feet is nothing compared to going to almost 29,000 feet. Ha ha. Uh, but, you know, 20,000 feet is very serious, serious altitude. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes uh, relative to what the park rangers are saying this year. So, you know, uh, again, looking at some of these fun facts, um, it's been well over a thousand, even over 1,200 people attempting to climb the mountain uh, every year since, um, oh my gosh, let's look at the numbers here. Every year, let's go from 2000. It's been over 600 people a year, almost every Every single year have summited Denali. Again, that's all routes, but the West, West Buttress, the West Butt, it uh, it has the uh, about 98% of the traffic. The other um, the other routes are much more technical, much more dangerous, and therefore uh, there's not that many uh, people that attempt those. And those that do, uh, you know, they're the real deal. They're the hardcore climbers. In terms of uh, guiding versus unguided on Denali, that's also kind of an interesting fact. The National Park Service uh, pretty well controls mountaineering in the national parks with a chokehold. Uh, they authorize a give concessions to only a handful of, of companies. So that includes like on Rainier and on Denali that we're talking about. And there's only seven companies that um, are legally authorized to guide on Denali. If you go with your so-called private guide uh, that you pay, uh, you run the risk of being found out and they're going to throw you off the mountain and probably ban that guide from ever um, working uh, in the National Park Service again. So almost nobody risks, uh, you know, trying to go rogue and they uh, sign up with one of these seven uh, concessionaires, so to speak. And, and that has led to something I think is pretty interesting. When I first attempted Denali uh, back in, what was it, 2001, I think, um, I think I paid around, I don't know, $4,500, $5,000. Today, it's getting close to $12,000. And there's several reasons for that. Um, one is that the, there's virtually no competition, that the National Park Service, by way of their concession strategy uh, and their strict uh, requirements on guide to client ratio, the type of gear that you've got to have in your pack when you go to the summit, liability insurance, and on and on and on has really driven up the cost. But really, it's this lack of competition that's the big thing. So as a result, it really doesn't matter which one of the seven that you want to go with in terms of uh, money. They're all going to charge you know within 500 bucks about the same price. Uh, if you want to save money, then you go on your own. And that's what a lot of people do on Denali. They get together with friends, and they just go and climb it. Personally, I think that's the best way to go. I've been on Denali three times. I've been with commercial companies all three times. Uh, once as part of my seven summits in a year campaign. Um, another time, you know, just to try to get up there. Uh, then a third time training to go to Everest one year. But um, didn't make it all, all three times. I got uh, weathered off on two of the three. And then my own health got me on one of the times. It's a tough mountain. One of the other issues with uh, climbing Denali are, are, is the weight. Of the seven summits, it's probably the most physical 
Carson's Pyramid is the most technical because you're doing some pretty serious rock climbing on it, albeit for short sections, but nonetheless, it is technical rock climbing on Karsten's Pyramid in New Guinea. But on Denali, it's really physical. You're hauling anywhere from a, oh, a 40 to 60 pound pack on your back and you're pulling a 40 to 60 pound sled behind you. So combined, you're carrying, uh, you know, well above your body weight probably for most people. Um, and then you're going to be doing that from four to six to perhaps even eight hours a day. And that's going to get you from uh, around 7,000 feet uh, at the uh, at the airstrip on the glacier up uh, to the 14,000 foot camp, the so-called ranger or the basin camp. From there, you ditch the sled and everything goes on your back where you climb the head wall, which is probably the steepest section of the West Buttress climb. And then you get up to the 17K camp. Um, and then from there, you launch your summit bid. So that's the traditional path to go climb Denali. Um, again, it's probably of the seven summits, it's the most physical. Therefore, I think you have to be in the best possible shape physically to climb it. You know, Everest is all about altitude. Uh, K2 is all about altitude and technical climbing. I think I think that Denali is all about the physicality. Second only maybe to, um, or first with uh, Aconcagua being a close second. You're not pulling a sled on Aconcagua, but you are carrying a big heavy pack with all of your gear from the 14,000 foot camp up to the summit. You've got mules that help you down below and good Lord, I love those mules. I'll tell you what, uh, going on Aconcagua, um, those guys really take the load off of you, but there's no mules. Uh, there's no Sherpas. Um, I guess you can um, you know, kind of you know, finagle a, a supported climb with some guides, but most people don't do that. And you're really expected to be in the top physical shape uh, in order to be able to climb. So uh, if you're going to go climb Denali, you got to plan for it and get prepared and really train for, a, yeah, I think a good solid year to get your body in shape, to pull that sled and to haul that pack and, you know, to go up and down those loads. So um, if we uh, look at this year on Denali, I think uh, some pretty interesting uh, things have occurred. Uh, it started off really pretty slow. Uh, that in I you know some of my summit coach clients have uh, went this year. I've got four that have up there, and um, they told me back in uh, May that the weather was just horrible. In fact, um, it was about a 19% summit success rate through uh, May 29th. So that's you know that's uh, very late March. All of a little bit of April um, and all of May. Uh, there was only 11 summits because of the really bad weather. It improved uh, moving into June. And so the summit percentage went up to 44% and 52%. And the last statistic that the Park Service published was that uh, there have now been, let's see, there's been, um, there's a, a little over 1,000, 1,013 registered climbers. There's uh, 385 climbers that are currently on the mountain 560 have completed their climb and 335 has summited, making a summit percentage of 60%. So a little higher than the historical norm of 52%, um, but it's actually right in the ballpark of what it's been for, let's say, the last 10 years or so. 
Another thing that uh, is going on this year is that um, the uh, they have the National Park Service does this thing called the Denali Dispatches, and uh, I'll put the the U- URL on this um, on this uh, podcast so you can see it. But all you have to do is go to uh, nps.gov and then you know go to go to uh, Denali for the national park, and then you can navigate to their uh, Denali Dispatches. But this was written by their park rangers on May 27th, and the title of it was Troubling Trend. And they go through and they kind of outline some things that are bothering these climbing rangers. One of the things about Denali, um, unlike many other mountains around the world, is that they have full-time park rangers that are stationed not only in Talkeetna to give you the briefing before you go up, but also at the 14,000-foot basin camp and also at the 17K camp, the high camp, on the West Buttress route uh, throughout the season. And these, these men and women are just invaluable for giving advice and also uh, participating in rescues, which is one of the things that they talked about this year, is that they've seen a lot of incidences that are giving them uh, trouble. So first off, they talk about a disturbing amount of overconfidence paired with inexperience. And so what they're talking about, they go into detail saying that people maybe have climbed um, in the lower 48 of the U.S. or in the Alps. And so they think that they got to 14,000 feet. So, hey, you know, 14 to 20, what's the big difference? I always like to say that altitude is exponential. In other words, going from 12,000 to 14 is one thing. 14 to 16 is another. 16 to 18 is a completely different story. So when you have a big difference, like going from 14 to 20, oh my gosh, that is night and day. It's just like going from 20 to 29 on Everest or almost a little over 28 on K2, again, is night and day. So what they're seeing are people that think they're in shape. They think they can go off and do it. And they get up there, they find themselves getting in trouble. One of the things that's exacerbating that is that the normal summit bid is starting from 17,000 feet, the high camp. And that's when, you know, typically takes people, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours to, uh, to get up to the top and back. And so what they're now seeing is that a lot of teams are leaving from the 14,000 foot camp, thinking that they can move fast enough and they won't have to bother carrying the gear uh, up the head wall across the ridge and establishing their 17,000 foot camp. So it may take them longer, but they think they can save energy by starting lower. And it ends up being a false equation, a false assumption. And many people are absolutely getting just exhausted. Uh, the, the longer you spend on a mountain like Denali, the more opportunity is for bad weather to move in and catch you. Uh, it's very difficult to predict the weather on big mountains, especially what those that sit, sit near an ocean uh, like Denali does in Alaska. So a lot of people are just kind of being reminded that, you know, this, that just trying to cut corners, uh, as Ed, Ed Beasters talks about in, in one of his books, there's no shortcuts to the top. And I think that adage applies really well here on on, uh, Denali, the, the great one. So another thing they talk about doing is that uh, these uh, teams, especially the unguided teams, you know, maybe they have a team, let's say four, six uh, friends that are together and half of them decide that they've had it with the mountain, so they're going to go home. But two other members say, no, we want to stay and keep climbing. So they then uh, form a uh, an alliance with another team. And so they all get together. They really don't know each other. They haven't climbed together. And the Rangers are saying that actually write this. They say collectively, this is a recipe for disaster. 
So in other words, people have met for the first time. They don't know, you know, what they're doing and, and they don't know what the other person is doing. They really don't know styles. And so they end up making perhaps poor decisions. And it gets kind of full circle back to that summit fever that we talked about uh, maybe last month or so. I talked about managing risk uh, with respect to being on Everest, where people just keep, you know, pushing along. And, you know, the summit fever is really a, a true thing on Denali. And especially those people that are leaving from that 14,000 foot camp, um, you know, they keep going, they get tired. And again, another Vistas is that, you know, the, the summit is only halfway. And so they start coming back down, their adrenaline is all used up, they're exhausted. Uh, they probably haven't eaten or had enough hydration that is going to support them. And that's when they get into trouble. They've said that the rangers are saying that they've had a fair number of uh, uh, rescues this year for high altitude pulmonary edema and also cerebral edema. So where you get fluid in the lungs or swelling of the brain. And the, the only uh, solution for all for those uh, endemas is to get back down as low as possible, as quick as possible. And so typically that means a helicopter rescue. And so that brings the last point up that they talked about was that, um, you know, they, they think that people, they say there's a misconception about the infrastructure in place in Denali. I think it's well known on Denali is one of the few mountains in the world where um, the park, um, the government will come and operate a helicopter, high altitude helicopter and rescue you, but they will not charge you. Uh, and so as a result, people sometimes get lulled into, into a false sense of security that if I get in trouble, eh, the helicopter will come get me. Wow, lots of problems with that, uh, you know, with that thinking. Uh, first off is that there's a ceiling on the helicopter that goes in up to uh, onto uh, Denali. It certainly can't go all the way to 20,000 feet, at least not the one that the Park Service currently has. And even if it could, the winds are just so precarious that it would put the, the uh, pilot and the machine at, uh, at extreme, extreme risk. So typically, uh, they will do perhaps a long line rescue above the 14,000 foot camp, maybe 1,000 feet higher, but not a whole lot. But typically, they just go to the 14,000 foot camp, which is really on a big basin where they can safely land, they can load up the chopper, um, and then get back down to uh, Talkeetna, um, you know, pretty quickly. But, you know, helicopters are dangerous and, uh, and climbing in mountains is really dangerous. So they have a criteria that says that they will not rescue you. They will only respond to a, an emergency where there's a threat to life, limb or eyesight. Again, I know a person that sprained his ankle this year, uh, you know, and he had difficulty walking, but um, he ended up staying at the hike at the 14K camp for five days with his um, ankle bandaged up in order to let it heal, let the swelling go down. And then he was able to go uh, under his own power to get off of the mountain. And so the park service said, you know, nope, uh, you're not, you don't have a threat to life, limb or eyesight. So we're not going to, you know, we're not going to get the helicopter to get you off of the mountain. Um, you know, another thing is that um, people think that the route is fixed like it is on Everest, and that's simply not the case. On Denali, you climb on what's called running belays. In other words, you're roped to uh, another team member or two or three. Um, and so you're, you're, you're climbing and hiking and walking roped together in case of falling into a crevasse. The only place where there's a fixed rope is on the head wall um, and also as you leave the high camp going across the Autobahn uh, on your summit push. There's, you know, there may be a few other places depending upon the year and, you know, whether the rangers feel it's necessary or not, but those two are mainly the two areas. By the way, the uh, area that ends up seeing the most um, um, 
fatalities and also um, falls is on the Autobahn. It's about, I don't know, 40, 45 degree slope, perhaps a little bit more, a little bit less. Um, that can be avalanche prone. It can be extremely icy. This year, a person did fall uh, from there. He was uh, he was climbing with a teammate. Uh, for some reason, he unclipped and uh, and he slid down. Uh, thank you. He went unconscious, but the uh, other uh, guys from other companies was able to get to him and, uh, and uh, he was able to regain consciousness and uh, get back down safely. But, um, you know, Denali's a, Denali's a tough mountain. I mean, it's, it's a dangerous mountain. And, and, you know, it doesn't have the same fatality rate that we see on some of the other mountains around the world, but uh, it's not uncommon to see a handful of deaths uh, every year on the mountain. Uh, one more thing to talk about is uh, I found this kind of interesting. You know, we often talk about um, this this, this uh, statistic called prominence. And of course, then you get into this uh, big discussion about what's the highest mountain on the planet. And of course, people love to say, you know, hey, it's not Everest. Um, I was doing a talk to a school uh, a handful of years ago, and this precocious eight-year-old uh, raised his hand and said, Mr. Arnett, I want you to know that Everest is not the highest mountain on the planet. My father told me. And I looked at him and smiled and I said, well, your father is, is technically correct. I said, Mauna Kea is the highest if you measure it from the bottom of the, of the ocean. And, um, and Chimborazo is the highest if you measure it from the center of the earth. And of course, uh, um, Olympus Mons is the highest if you look at it from the universe. So your dad's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> So I just love that guy. But uh, he raises a good point about, you know, what is the highest on the planet? So you can, if you want to, if you want to burn a couple of hours in Google prominence, you're going to end up at Wikipedia and you're going to get into this, this rat hole that you're going to spend a couple of hours if you're that type of a person. Well, unfortunately, I'm that type of person. I spent a couple of hours today going down that rat hole. And so if you look at it, I looked at it from the point of view of where do you start climbing these mountains, not the prominence, not what's this highest neighbor, you know, not how far it is from the center of the earth, but, you know, from a climber perspective, how high do you actually have to climb? And so Everest starting at base camp at around 17,500 and up to roughly 29,000, it's about 11,500 feet that you climb. Um, Kilimanjaro is at little is, is higher at 13,435. Denali is at 13,310. So in terms of actual climbing and gaining elevation, they both, you know, they both have Everest by a couple of thousand feet there. So, you know, sorry about that, uh, Big E, Peak 15. I guess you know, you're just going to have to be happy being the highest one, uh, not the highest uh, one that you have to climb. <laughs> but then I was really surprised. There's another mountain in Pakistan. So all my Pakistani friends, um, you know, you can be proud that, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher this uh, name like I do anything, this, uh, including English out there. As my followers all tell me that I need to learn how to work on my pronunciation. But I blame my going, uh, growing up in Memphis, Tennessee and going to Memphis uh, public schools back in the 60s for my uh, lack of ability to pronounce, 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 see, pronounce words. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rakaposhi, R-A-K-A-P-O-S-H-I, Rakaposhi, uh, has the, uh, an elevation gain from roughly where you start climbing to the summit of a whopping 19,357 feet, almost 20,000 feet. That, my friends, would be a long day. So bringing this back around to the Nolly, uh, let's see, we're at June 22nd. So, you know, a couple more weeks, uh, maybe three, two and a half, three weeks before the season ends. It looks like um, that will probably go well over um, uh, 
500, uh, well, close to 500 summits, and that'll be on the low end of the range uh, for the last uh, you know few years or so. Um, let's see, the last time we were under 500 was actually in uh, 2018 at 496. Uh, so, you know, I think COVID has taken this, um, this toll on all the mountains around the world. Uh, you know, there's a, roughly around 195 people that summited uh, Everest this year, uh, just on the Nepal side. Of course, the Chinese side was closed to uh, foreign, foreigners. So there were actually no summits on the uh, northern side of, um, of Everest this year. But all the mountains are seeing, uh, while we're seeing a lot of people, like on Everest, uh, well over half of the summits were done by Sherpas, not by by uh, foreigners. And so Denali is seeing, um, you know, a little bit of a downtick there. It'll be really interesting to see how the mountaineering community reacts to, uh, to the opportunities coming up next year, when hopefully everybody around the world has gotten a vaccine or is on their way to it, uh, that uh, we've gotten this virus under control. So people are going to be more willing to get out there. And if you're thinking about doing like a Denali next year, I know I just noticed that International Mountain Guides opened up their 2022 schedule, and they're taking reservations. If you're thinking about climbing Denali or Rainier in 2022, you better get on their websites right now and get your deposit in because these things sell out really quickly these days. Like I said, you know, um, this year there's over a thousand people by on all routes on Denali, uh, and uh, that's down about 200 people from uh, the last 20 years. And so I expect next year, 2022, to uh, be approaching a record. In theory, the National Park Service has a cap on the number of permits that they will uh, issue in uh, any given season, and that's 1,500, and they've never, uh, they've never uh, issued that many permits. I think the closest that they got, I think I'm close on this, is back in 2001 when they issued 1,305, 1,305. So they got close to that 1,500. They only put that in a, a few years ago, um, and so we'll see if they, uh, you know, who knows, we may, we may kiss that next year in 2022. Anyway, Denali is a is a absolutely hugely hugely is that a word fun climb. Uh, you know, it's physical, it's rewarding, and um, you know, if you get a chance to go to the great one, jump on it. All right, climb on. This is Alan, and remember, memories are everything.